Good evening, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Creighton Volleyball Wrap-Up Podcast. I'm Matt Marinas here once again, as always, with Megan Epperson. We are your hosts, and we are going to wrap up Creighton's weekend on the road to open Big East play. The Jays split the opening weekend of conference play. They swept Butler on Friday, lost to Xavier on Sunday, Saturday, sorry. Um, so a mixed bag of stuff to talk about. Some overlying things to talk about that happen in both matches. And then we'll get you kind of a little preview of the upcoming schedule coming up this weekend. And then also the big Marquette match is right around the corner too. So we'll get you, we'll get you all set up on all that stuff. So thanks for tuning in. Megan, how was your weekend? How was your week? It was good. I was out of town and... um Actually, as the fifth set was about in the middle of the fifth set against Xavier, my plane took off. So I was wondering for about an hour of a oh, plane no. ride if they won or lost. And so I'm trying to update my phone when we landed on the runway and saw they lost on, on Saturday. So that was a little bit stressful. Dang. Yeah, so how long was the flight? That's... It was just like an hour flight. So okay. Okay. it was okay. short. So I didn't have to wait that long. But I just... And you were... You weren't tempted to you weren't tempted to go airplane mode for a second just to keep watching. Yeah, uh, I went as as long as like we were like front wheels up in the air, and I was like, I should probably put my phone on airplane mode now. But <laughs> I tried, I tried to hang on. See yeah, going. that's that's pretty funny. Yeah, um, like I said, I think it was kind of like a mixed bag for Creighton. I, honestly, I think they probably came out of the Butler match probably not crazy about how they played, but they still swept right. So. You know, it's one of those things where the result maybe doesn't feel quite in line with the performance, right? Like where you're like, okay, we got some things we got to get better at. Um, Xavier did a better job of exposing some of those things and then obviously making pay, Creighton pay for it with a loss. So I I guess we'll start with the Butler match, first of all, because uh, there, was, there was some good things within that match that I thought Creighton could build on. Um, first off, like Butler hit, 208 on the first 25 rally so it was kind of like i think it was 13 12 so it was back and forth right and 208 is not a crazy hitting percentage you know you're you're basically holding a team in check at that point but the last 109 rallies creighton held them to 035 hitting so they were a lot better serving a lot better blocking a lot better touches um digging everything like that uh offensively as a whole they struggled but three players i thought played Pretty well. Um, Ava Martin hit 259, had nine kills, only two errors. Uh, Amory Remus uh, only got 12 sets, but she had five kills, only one error. And then Ellie Bickelmeyer was a was a was a nice um, had a nice performance, I thought, from the right side, which was again building off that Minnesota one. You're like, okay, cool. Ellie's maybe trying, kind of getting into a rhythm here, you know, finding her footing, and maybe Creighton's figuring out that right side a little bit. So I guess let's just talk about. Those three in particular offensively, because those were the ones that had the good nights against Butler. What did you see that made them effective and allowed them to be low error throughout the match? Yeah, I don't think any of them, you know, did anything crazy. I thought they moved their shots around well. Um, and Kendra got them gaps when she was able to. I liked how she was reversing the ball to Ellie and creating that almost one-on-one or gap in the block um, at times behind her. I thought that was fun to see. Um, because I don't feel like we've seen a ton of that um, where she's able to get up and drive it down, you know, into the seam. So, 
Yeah, I just thought, um, you know, overall, they just kind of were steady. And like you said, we're low air, and that's really important um, in that kind of performance. And Butler is a gritty team, typically, and can get their hands on things. They're obviously, their libero we've talked about is talented, so got to keep the ball away from her a little bit. Um, yeah, but I just thought solid performance, especially by those three. So one thing you talked about last weekend when we – Touched on Jamison Kinley, Butler's libero. She's the two-time reigning libero of the year in the Big East. Was You have to account for her. You have to understand that she's good and that she's probably going to get some ups that normally are kills against uh, DSs and liberos, right? So you have to kind of prepare yourself for that and not let it frustrate you. Um, but you also made a point to say, like, you also have to go after those kids, too. Like, you can't just avoid their areas of the floor because it limits your options offensively correct and it kind of makes you easier to defend because as you said like they can set up a block in front of the other zones and force you and funnel you to her and so if you're trying to avoid her you're basically hitting into hands the whole time and that's low percentage right i thought there was a moment there were moments there were a couple moments early in this match but ellie bickelmeyer went after her down the line and got kills and I don't know if it was specific on Ellie's part to target that and just say, you know, I'm just going to try to get her and maybe that'll fluster her and fluster Butler. Whatever it was, she got kills off of Kinley, and that's I thought that was psychological in a way that built Creighton's confidence. I thought Kinley still played great. I think she had 22 digs in three sets, which is crazy. Um, she still did her thing. But I think from Creighton's standpoint – you know, if you know, okay, she's a stud, don't don't hit it to her as much. You know, try to avoid her if you can. But for, I think, Ellie to get her a couple times, I let Creighton's other hitters and Ellie in particular know, like, you know, if, if, if that's the hole I got and she's there, I, I got to find a way to put the ball down, whether she's going to get you or not, right? Yeah, I thought so. And I thought the thing that Ellie did was she hit – almost a little bit outside of her body, right? So, like, it wasn't just, like, straight at her because she's going to dig that ball. I thought, you know, she made her reach at times. Mm -hmm. um, that block became kind of like, is it going to hit the block? And then she's trying to adjust based upon, like, is this ball going to come deep or short? Um, but I think the biggest thing, like, when you have a great libero, obviously – if it's a free ball and that sort of thing, you don't want to put it over in their area of the court. You know, as mm -hmm. much as you can, you want to get it on right back. So then they're out of system and then the libero has to take the second ball. So I think in those instances, it's really a mental, I mean, focus for the team of like, we're not just going to let junk easy balls get over because that ball is going to be a perfect pass on the net. So let's get the setter on those. But if you're in system, in rhythm, you have a gap in the block or you can get on top of the ball, make a really good swing. I don't think at that point, that's something you really have to be that worried about. Unless if you're, I mean, there's some liberos in the country, maybe you should be a little bit more worried about. I don't know if she quite falls into like, you know, first team all American type liberos where it's like, we're absolutely not hitting the ball at this girl at all. Mm -hmm. So, and then the other, the other part of this match was Creighton's ability to limit Butler's efficiency. And, you know, I thought it was a combination of things, but I think serving was the biggest part of it because Creighton got a lot of block touches. And, you know, I just don't think that's – you can guess well sometimes throughout a match, but if you're there in the right spot and you're getting touches all the time, I think your servers are basically hitting the seams they should be hitting, targeting the players they should be targeting, and doing a good job of main of hitting their serves where they should be hitting them from behind the line. So 
how much of that chain reaction do you feel like Creighton's serving had on Butler's offensive efficiency, considering how many I think they only had one player who basically wasn't higher all night. So <laughs> I think it was big, obviously. Even if you're getting block touches and not getting stuff blocks, you can get in heads of, of hitters, right? It's like mm-hmm. I don't have a gap. I've got two big blockers in front of me. What am I going to do? You know, and then it's like they start adjusting based upon your blocks presence. And I think that's that's the when you want to get into that situation in games where hitters are having to think about it. And it's not just a swing, swing away type of situation because there's holes in blocks or you're going to be easy to tool and those sorts of things. So I thought Creighton got up and took space where they were supposed to, got touches and then allowed their defense just to play behind them and kind of be within range. And they didn't have to play you know, too far outside of their normal areas back there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know. There wasn't really a whole lot of drama in this one. Uh, even though Creighton probably didn't didn't play their best match of the season, they didn't. I don't know. There were. They, I don't know if there were many sets or situations where they felt like they were losing the upper hand on Butler. So they got the job done in that regard. the The turnaround, I think, was going to be interesting for Creighton because Xavier played Butler kind of midweek. I think they played on Wednesday, so they had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all day, I guess, until four to kind of rest, decompress, prepare. And Creighton had to go from Butler to Xavier, you know, um, just play the match. How much of an impact did you feel like that might have been going in? Like, did you feel like Xavier had some advantage there considering they were more rested and Creighton a was on the road traveling and you know there's just less turnaround time there Does that factor into it at all for you yeah you know possibly obviously the rest portion of it um is is a big deal and i mean they're happy that they swept butler right so that they're not on their feet longer and playing longer and those sorts of things but just the preparation standpoint um you know of scout and stuff xavier had the advantage in that capacity because as much as Creighton will prepare throughout the week and like throw some things in that they might expect to see. That's always Kirsten's philosophy of like, we're not going to talk scout of this team, you know, before we play Butler, you know, mm-hmm. she's game out of time, which obviously you have to be focused on an, any opponent and you can't overlook anybody. But from that standpoint of playing the Friday to Saturday and really like on Friday evening, you might get the scout after your match against Butler and you're flipping through it and then you really are focused on it on the day you play. I don't think sometimes there's as much time for you to soak it in, especially when it's early in the season and you haven't played the team. You know, you're familiar with the style, but you're not super familiar every single year. You know, it can be different a little bit. There's different players in different positions. So from just the standpoint of it being the first time they've played them this season, I think that's kind of hard and that fast turnaround also creates, you know, a little bit more maybe focus you need it on that scout or a little bit more extra like cram study time of like what do I actually really need to focus on and I don't know you know it's they really had an advantage with multiple days I think Xavier did for sure and the other part of it too at least in my mind was Xavier had more parity I guess is the word you know they have just more options than Butler did so I think it's it was a harder Xavier I think Xavier was a harder match the whole weekend a harder scout arm prep and physically, it was going to be the hardest match of the two. So I think the fact that it was on the second day put Creighton into a, a little bit of a disadvantage. But the Jays still came out pretty well. Like I think they, I think first set they, I think you know 
they were sharp. I think they were on point. I think they got to a 12-3 lead, which was which was huge. It allowed them to cruise because as we would see throughout the match, Xavier was able to go on some serving runs that were pretty significant and allowed them to flip some sets that maybe, you know, if you cut those serving runs in half, like those are the things we talk about, right? Like teams are gonna kind of go on runs, sometimes they're just gonna get you. But if you can mitigate those to maybe five or six, um, and then start going on a run yourself in response, it it like makes the whole, you know, kind of steep. But there was, you know, Xavier ended set two on a 14 to four run and they went on a 13 to four run early in set four after Creighton started on a four nothing lead that allowed them to flip that one. And those were kind of the two sets that Creighton dominated to start game one and dominated throughout set three. Right. Um, Or I guess they dominated. I shouldn't say they dominated throughout set three. They got into a little bit of a hole, um, dug themselves out of it and then dominated the end of it. But you feel like sets two and four, the runs that Xavier went on, made the difference in the match because they were so sizable that allowed them not allowed they were not only to build momentum but sustain long stretches of good play and maybe make Creighton you know it's a little bit unsure just a little bit like uh what's going on here can we get this thing back together you know what did you see as the reasons that Xavier was able to sustain those runs and flip those sets the way they did yeah, I think they, like you said, they had parity. They got people involved. Um, you know, their setter, I thought, played really well. She got the middles involved even when she was off the net. So that just created issues with Creighton's block and holes in the block um, for their offense, um, which really helped, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I think, I mean, having a team be able to go on those long of, like, sustained runs multiple times, I think, I mean, you hinted at it, like, it can get in your head and, when you're sitting there and you're like, why can we not score a point? You know, or how is this team scoring this much on us continually? I think that part of it can be frustrating, you know, on the opposing side. And um, it does build momentum. And as we saw in that fifth set, you know, it was back and forth for a little bit. And then Xavier just pulled away with a run there and was able just kind of didn't even look back, honestly, and was able to pull out the win um, fairly easily. You know, I thought it'd be a little bit closer you know at the end of that fifth set um so that was a little bit surprising from Creighton's standpoint and um just kind of how they responded physically with what they did yeah so there's a couple things with Xavier I hadn't seen them yet this year but on paper obviously you're like okay Delaney Hogan is a name we know she's been a great player for them her whole career uh we know Kerrigan O'Reilly's been a great setter for them we know Brooklyn Sink is what a fifth year outside now she played at Missouri State was really good there great program so you know she's got a lot of experience right so those are kind of like the main three and then you know what i guess anna taylor had a good freshman year last year if i'm not mistaken so she's a problem someone you have to account for emma grace was the one on paper that i was really interested in because while she's not like she's not the most efficient player on their team she is leading them in kills and is leading them in aces per set so that's that's a problem on paper, right? She's a she's a key cog for them, and she was big time against Creighton. She had the, she led them in kills with fifteen. Uh, she was relatively efficient, right? I think more efficient than maybe she's been in most of her matches this year. And she had a career high five aces. She really really bothered Creighton from the service line. When you just look at the impact she had, especially considering maybe she's not the number one option that you're thinking about on scout. How much of a difference did she make? 
with her performance, considering she kind of led them in several key categories when, you know, maybe the Creighton was trying to shut down other players. She was big, I thought. And I thought she brought a spark, too. It's like she would get kills, but I thought she was super energetic and helped lead their team in energy, which, you know, at times was just super important for them to go on those runs that they were able to go on. Um, and then, yeah, from the service line, I think, I mean, Xavier, I think both of us looking at this match would say that they won the serve and pass battle, no question. And she was a big part of that, just getting Creighton out of system. And even with the aces, like when she put over a serve, she would get them out of system, you know, even if it wasn't an ace, which I just thought was impressive. It made Creighton's offense really hard to run for them. Yeah, here's the thing I'm kind of curious to get your, your perspective on, because I felt like this was – um, let's go back a little bit because Creighton was five and one without Nora going into this match, right? So they had been they had been putting results together, but there's also some wins in there that you feel like could have gone the other way if something changes, right? Like Minnesota was a weird five setter that feels like anybody could have won if they just you know whoever got whoever started out hot won the set. Um, Iowa State was a was a match where. You know, Creighton played really well the first two sets. And then Iowa State kind of took over a little bit in sets three and four before Creighton rallied late in four to win it. So if that goes five, who knows? Uh, the Omaha match was uh, that second set was kind of up for grabs. If that goes one, one at intermission, what happens there, you know? Um, so it's not like they've just hit the ground running and like not missed Nora at all, right? There's been up and down play within these, within this five one stretch, right? Um, so as much credit as they deserve for that, there's still something that's worth evaluating there. And I thought this match against Xavier, they really, really missed her because I'm just curious your thoughts on this. Like they were out of system so much. And I mean, Ellie Bolton had nine assists. Like, uh, and when you look at Kendra and Kendra Waite and Ava Martin, they had 44% of Creighton's digs. Mm-hmm. So that's your that's your number one option offensively hitting wise and your setter handling first contact almost 50% of the time. That's a lot. That's way too much. And I think also the thing is when you're at, when Creighton's out of system, I think they're a good out of system terminating team. I really do think they are when they're full strength too. But when you're out of system and let's say you have Ava on the pin and Nora back row, like when you're out of system, you have two options there, I think legitimately. Right. And to, against Xavier, they were out of system so much that Xavier just like, as soon as Creighton's bump setting, it's going to Ava. They, Xavier yeah. just knows that it's way too easy, right? It's way too predictable. So I think this was a match, in my opinion, that Creighton really missed Norris this because they lacked that punch, that versatility out of system to terminate in different areas of the court. They kind of just had to go to Ava and hope she could put the ball down from the pin, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, obviously, I don't think you really have a right side option that they feel super comfortable setting that second, like out of system ball to either. I think if you had some of that, it would neutralize the blocker a little bit just because they can't cheat all the way to the outside and you'd maybe get some holes going either way, depending on who you set. So yeah, I think that created issues. And like you said, I mean, not having like a solid back row explosive option all the time just allowed them to be neutralized and I mean for Xavier you have to think part of their game plan was let's get the ball in Kendra Way as much as possible and get him out of system because if I was playing Creighton that's what I would do I'd say let's take her out like obviously she's a great defender but if she's not taking that second ball it makes Creighton very predictable 
Yeah, if like the, if you make Kendra a defender all night, you you really really neutralize Creighton's offensive options, especially without their best hitter, right? So, I mean, it just I think I think Xavier did a really good job of of like pinning Creighton into being predictable. And it, you just looked at most of the most of the balls, it just felt like it was the same situation when they were out of system. It's like, okay, there's a bump set to Ava. And to Ava's credit, she found 21 kills out of that match. So she did put the ball down a lot, you know. But the thing was, it neutralized her efficiency. If she's not efficient, it sends a chain reaction throughout the offense. And to the point you made, most of Creighton's right side production this year is coming out of the slide. It's not coming out of, you know, setting right sides and uh, things like that. And when you're when you're on the slide, you got to be in system, you know, because you have to have the, you know, the deception there that you're going to set the pin and then you set the right side or set the middle. And that's how the middle comes around and gets the slide kill. Right. Like, so yeah, I thought it just, it just, it set a chain reaction that allowed Xavier to neutralize Creighton's offense, you know, not always, but it made it predictable enough for Xavier to defend it, you know, as well as they could. And, um, you know, you look at like Xavier out hit 317 to 123 over the last two sets it's really hard. It's really hard to beat anybody when you're getting out hit by 200 points. You know what I mean? Like it just that Xavier's offense because of everybody that was kind of rolling and all the options they had, and how in system they were, how often they were in system. It it just it started to you could start to see it as the match is going on. You're like, wow, Xavier's got like three or four hitters right now that you can see their you can feel their energy, you can feel their confidence, and Creighton's a little bit like one note right now. You know. Yeah, very much. And I think, I mean, you look at the fifth set, just looking at the errors. I mean, Xavier made one error. Creighton made seven attacking wow. errors. That's crazy. That's just, a, that's, I mean, that's it's crazy. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. And I mean, props to Xavier. You know, when it counted, they were crisp. They were clean. And they terminated in that fourth and fifth to finish it out. And Creighton, I, I mean, we'll probably talk about this more, but just I thought they got a little bit passive and I think a lot of those errors were because they were passive and weren't quite getting their feet to the ball they're trying to tip or roll it over and just be a little bit more timid than they had been and that resulted in a lot of errors and getting balls hit into the block and coming back at you and they weren't able to pick up that second ball yeah since you bring up uh being passive you know that's something that coach Booth mentioned after the match kind of like you know broadly not just within the Xavier match it's like Right now, and we talked about this on the pod, and this is something you lived as a player. Like when you get into Biggie's play and you got that number next to your name and you got all that kind of juice as a program, right? It's it it point it paints a target on your back for everyone else in the league for the next two months. Like if Creighton's in your gym, this is an opportunity to make your to make your season, to make your career. Like this is a big opportunity. If you beat this team, it's gonna be, you know, one of your best memories of your career, essentially. And that's kind of like, I think, something that Xavier took advantage of. You could see their energy was like, first of all, they came in, I think they had won four matches in a row and five out of six. So they were playing well. They were confident. And like, you know, Creighton's hurt right now. They're not their best player. This is an opportunity for us. They're in our own gym. We brought They brought a lot of students. They had a good energy in the gym. They felt like this was an opportunity for them to get Creighton and notch a big win and start, you know, getting some momentum really rolling for their season, right? And as you mentioned, Creighton getting passive, it's it's in kind of like it's in relation to what the opponent's doing, right? If you see them being really aggressive and energetic, it affects your energy level. So what did you think 
like how much of an impact did you think that had and what does it kind of look like when Creighton starts to get passive and you start to see Xavier being the team that's kind of dictating, you know, everything from an energy standpoint. Yeah. I just thought, I mean, it goes, it can be everybody, right? It can be a passer being passive and not moving their feet and getting that ball pushed all the way up to target. It can be your setter kind of just, all right, I'm going to set it here because this is where I am. I'm not going to reverse the flow. I'm not going to think about like one-on-one opportunities. I'm just going to set it somewhere. Right. And, then for hitters, I think that's the most noticeable when a hitter goes up and they maybe don't approach super hard. They come in and you know they're going to tip and they just throw it over and it's not really like aggressive or getting the other team out of system. It's just kind of like we're going to keep the ball in play and not make an error, those sorts of things. Um, so I think that's most noticeable is like when players are going up and when there's multiple players who tip a ball, you know, multiple after one after another and you're like, man, like swing away, like just be aggressive. I think that's when you start to notice it of like, you need to get this team out of system and Xavier's good enough where they're going to dig those easy balls that you're going to put over. So you're not going to score on those. You know, it's not the time to be tipping and rolling and that's if it's the time to swing away and be aggressive, go for edges of the block and drive that ball down into the seam when you have gaps. And I think we didn't see that at the end and it really, it showed and it became a big issue for them just finishing that fifth set out. So when you're Xavier, do you notice when a team is getting like internal like that? Do you, do you sense it? I think so. I mean, as far as defenders and blockers, like if a ball is getting tipped multiple times over and you're able to run your offense, I think you notice those things of like, they're not swinging and it it can get, you know, in somebody's head of like, I don't want to be the next one to make an error. And I think that becomes an issue, you know, for Creighton, they're like, well, I don't want to make an error or, somebody makes an error and then the next one, they just aren't very aggressive with it. And they might end up in another error or a free ball to a team. And yeah, I think you do. I mean, it just becomes easier for you to run your offense, right? You just have your dig right in system and you can transition and utilize it. And that's what Xavier did. I thought they took advantage really well when Creighton just threw balls over and they went and, you know, were the aggressor, got the kill right away, finished the point out. And it wasn't like a rally back and forth or that sort of thing very often. Yeah, I think the two like the two biggest things that maybe, you know, lend itself to which team was more aggressive and which team was kind of just hoping for the best, I guess, was when each team kind of got an in-system kill or got a big transition kill. Like I felt like Xavier's energy after those plays were was more demonstrative than Creighton's. Like I could sense relief more on Creighton's side and more just like, yeah, let's get another one on Xavier's side. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how to know where to put it, but it just felt like Xavier was trying to build their swagger throughout the match and Creighton was just trying to like survive an upset essentially yeah I think that's a good I feel like the way I think about it is like Xavier's like I have to go out and earn this and Creighton's like I hope they make errors or you know it's like that that almost passiveness of like all right like what's going on like kind of in shock of like all right this team has to make an error like there's no way but Xavier's like no I'm going out and I'm gonna win it and I'm gonna score these points it's like the urgency at the end of the game of like we are going to take care of business. We're going to be aggressive. And Creighton just kind of took their foot off the pedal a little bit. And I mean, they were trying obviously to score and things and catch up, but it wasn't like that aggressor mentality of I'm going to go out and earn this and I'm just going to put balls away and we're going to win this game. I thought they kind of lost their steam in that respect a little bit. Yeah, for sure. It's like, I mean, it's just like, it's one of those things where one team's doing 
you know, going all out and just like being gritty and just mm-hmm. doing what it takes to win points. And the other team is just kind of like hoping they find a way out, find a side out, find a way to stop the run. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not when you get those two opposing forces like that, it's obviously advantage team that's being aggressive. I think that's like the rule of volleyball, right? Is like chance usually favors the team that's just going to be more aggressive throughout the match, right? Like, yeah, you might be higher for stretches. Um, yeah, you might make mistakes, but throughout the whole what ninety minute, two hour period of time where you're playing, you know, multiple sets and you know, there's lots of momentum swings in volleyball. Like chance usually favors the aggressor because you're gonna get. You know, when you do get points by being aggressive, you're going to be more energetic after those. And it's going to feed into your confidence, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I I don't know. I don't feel like we've really seen that happen to Crane this year where they've gotten super passive and um, in those sorts of situations. So it was just kind of an interesting thing to see how they responded um, in that kind of tight situation. When, um, so you've talked about how going into the next week off of a loss is kind of like just one of the worst feelings, right? Cause you have to just stew on it for four or five days before you play again. Um, there's, there's rarely quick turnarounds, especially when you get to conference play, when you feel like you've lost a match due to being passive and not aggressive and not confident and not yourself. And maybe that's one of the main reasons you ultimately lost that match. What's that week of practice? Like when you're trying to, I guess, find that aggressive identity again. How does that process go about? I think it just makes you kind of tune into those small things that you can do better. Um, You know, if that's at a system setting for Ellie Bolton and she's really tuned into like watching film of where did I put this ball? Like, how can I put my hitter in a better position? Because, I mean, that happened a ton to you and that kind of got exposed, I think. Those things can be really helpful because obviously if a team beats you, they expose some weakness in your mm-hmm. team and we're able to to go at it. And Xavier did that and did it continually, I thought, with you know certain things, just getting them out of system. Uh, but yeah, I just think, I mean, it makes you tune in and it makes you work a little bit harder. It makes you hungry to get that next win, I think. And they have a really good opponent too coming up. So I think it's easy yeah. to be excited about playing St. John's because obviously like that's a team that Creighton has lost to in the big East as well. So it just makes you motivated and, um, you know, dialed into what can we do different? Or is there some situation if we're in this rotation, is there something else we can run in this rotation? If we're really stuck, you know, how can we minimize other teams going on runs? Do we need to communicate more and serve receive? I think there's just little things of if you watch film and you just see what you kind of did next to different teammates, like how can we make each other better in even small ways over this next couple of days of practice? Yeah. the the There's one overlying thing from this weekend that is probably, you know, an area of, of focus for Creighton this week in practice and that's their offense. Um, you know, they hit sub 200 in both of these matches this weekend, even though they, they swept Butler, like I said, you know, they probably didn't love the performance. Uh, the only other time they've hit below that 200 mark is against Nebraska. So it's not something they've dealt with this year. They've been a pretty good offensive team. But, you know, now you're facing teams that have longer periods of time to scout you for number one, and they kind of know your tendencies better just because they've played your players before, right? So, what you know, with Norris out right now and Creighton being more predictable out of system, 
what do you think are the fixes in the short term offensively that can help Creighton this weekend? Is it more serve receive related? Is it more, you know, in first contacts and things like that to help them be better in transition? What's up, Milo? How you doing, buddy? Dog <laughs> making an appearance on the podcast. Um or, you know, is it setter distribution? Is there something on the right side that's just not clicking yet that you feel like is there but not consistent enough? Like, what? where would you start if you're diagnosing Creighton's offense and looking for, you know, those little marginal improvements as this, you know, next weekend comes around? I think first thing would be pass, obviously. I mean, the service passing, I thought, I mean, they weren't, very good in serve receive and even when the ball was passed towards the middle of the court I didn't think they were on the net enough to allow Kendra to be active to allow the middles to get involved and just to not be predictable like we talked about um I mean that's one thing I also think I mean the out of system option of having somebody available on the right side attack to be a threat and put the ball down I think could be super helpful especially without that second back row attacker you know if Ava Martin's in the front row you have really all your DSs and your libero in the back row. So that's not an option for you. Um, Yeah. So I just think that's maybe one thing to work on and um, maybe get those people involved, even just to have it on a scout of like, Hey, this girl will get a ball out of system. Right. It doesn't have to be every time, obviously maybe the right side's not your first option, but at least if you can throw a couple in and get her a one-on-one in those types of situations, she can put the ball down, you know? So it's it's that sort of stuff. And then, I mean, getting middles involved, if if you're off the net, I think that's something that Creighton doesn't do a very good job of. And you saw Xavier, you know, use that to their advantage a little bit this mm-hmm. weekend of, okay, if the slide's not an option because I'm off the net, can we go to a 31? And then can we hit the outside hitter on top of that if we pull the block, you know, with that middle running a 31? Those sorts of things just to disrupt the block a little bit. Um mm-hmm sprinkling a couple in I think obviously it doesn't have to be your primary thing because you love the slide with your middles but just to have a couple options and to keep defenses kind of on their toes and not knowing what to expect yeah I think the I mean I think the the right side attack is probably I mean honestly the right side of the court is probably biggest focus for Creighton long term like both in terms of blocking and offense um so I'm not sure like there's a quick fix there, right? That's kind of been the biggest like uh I guess gap between good and great on that side of the floor. So Creighton's probably gonna have a long-term fix on that one. They've tried multiple people, you know, they tried Destiny Adam Simpson, they've tried, I mean, Ava T Strake's gotten some reps there, Ellie Bicklemeyer, Kiara Reinhardt, you know, you're just they're they're looking for answers there. They're trying to get that ironed out. But like we mentioned earlier on the pod, like Right now, a big part of their right side offense is that slide. Like, so I kind of lean towards what you said is the main number one thing to focus on in the short term is serve receive. Because at least if you can have Kendra as close to the net as possible, you have options on the left and right side because you can set the slide, you can set the pin. And even though you don't have the versatility right now with Nora Sis out of having a pin and a back row attack, um, you do just give your offense more versatility, enough versatility, I should say, to make a defense honest, you know? So right now, Creighton's best offense on the right side is the slide, and obviously their best offense on the pin is Ava. Um, So I think just serve-receive, making that pass as close to the net as possible, getting that short up, 
and giving Kendra options. Also, as if she's close to the net, she's an option. So that's the other part of it too, going along with your setting the that 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 one ball more. So I think that's yeah. I, I'm in. I think I'm in agreement with you that in, in the short term this week, serve receive is probably going to be the number one. You know that first contact in transition too is going to be number one. Making sure Kendra is you know. I guess what's the Apple tracker? How many steps you take in a day, right? We want to limit Kendra's steps in a match. Yeah. <laughs> as little as she has to move around uh, is gonna like tell you how how well Creighton's playing on a given night. I think. Yeah, that's that's probably a very true sentiment. How much she's having to run across and dive and just throw her body around to get that second ball up is definitely a good indicator, but. Yeah, I mean, against Xavier, obviously, like, Kendra wasn't able to be a threat, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they didn't really have to respect her, and that just was a completely different look than, honestly, almost all of their matches that they've played this year because they've typically passed really well, at least enough of getting that ball on the net. And the nice thing about having a super physical setter in Kendra is even if that ball's tight, she's winning 9 out of 10 of those jousts, if not more. Yep. So I think from that standpoint, like you can't be scared of like, I'm going to pass this ball. Obviously you don't want to pass a bunch of balls over the net, but mm-hmm. if we're on that border of that ball is going to be 10 feet off or that ball is going to be, you know, a half of a foot over the net, like let's put that ball up at the net and just give her yeah. options to be aggressive. Well, doesn't that, doesn't that kind of like play into exactly what you were talking about earlier with erring on the side of aggression versus perfect? Yeah. Because sure. like if you're if you're like oh, well I don't want to make uh non an imperfect pass here, so you know if, if you're a passive passer that you things usually getting shanked or going short right that's usually what happens with the platform as it breaks down, so if you're erring on the side of aggression yeah you might you might send some a little bit tight to the net but again you have a really physical setter that gives you an advantage there in jousts right so err on the side of aggression with your passing even right is that kind of that kind of plays into what you were talking about earlier, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's, I mean, you don't see it as, you don't think about it, I guess, as much. Somebody watching, you don't think about, oh, the passer isn't being aggressive, right? But it's the being aggressive with your feet, getting that platform, getting that platform out early. And if you pass that ball a little bit tight, like you said, I mean, we'd rather have that than her running off the net and trying to probably just set the outside, right? Because at that point, yeah. that just neutralizes your offense without a back row option, your right side is existent sometimes in those situations, but most of the time the blockers just releasing to the outside and then the outside has a lot harder job. So that I'm sure will be a focus of let's get her on the net because she can throw that ball down or she can block, she can joust, she'll have options and she's much more of a threat if you've got her on that net and that blocker has to think about how fast she's going to put that ball, you know, past them if they give her up. Yeah. Um. So just a snapshot of kind of what this loss was for Creighton, because uh, someone asked after the match, like, what's, I guess, what's, uh, how would I best put it? Um, you know, what's Creighton's margin of error now for still being in hosting consideration? So my, my opinion on it was three losses, three more losses, based on just, like, how the Big East looks right now. I said, like, Win out and then one and two at worst against Marquette, I think still does them. I think I think that resume still looks good enough to host. But I think if you like lose another one to someone else and go one and two against Marquette, that gets tough. If you lose, you know, all three times that if you play Marquette three times and lose all three times, 
um, that gets pretty tough. And then if you, again, like I think a loss to anyone else makes it difficult if you don't handle the Marquette series in a, in a, in a way that favors you. So that's kind of my outlook right now. I know we're way too far away from that, but if we're just thinking about, you know, the resume itself at this point, you know, they're still 23 in the RPI right now. They dropped, I think, seven spots with a loss. So it wasn't like a crater. Um, you know, Xavier's top 100, so um, it's not a bad loss. It's kind of like a Duke loss a little bit. And the fact that it was in five sets, I think, without Norris assists is going to – the committee's going to know that. They're going to take that into account. Um, but they're 3-1 and one versus the top 50. They, you know, beat Minnesota, Purdue, and Iowa State all the way from their own gym. So those are going to be amplified, right? And the only loss is to Nebraska, who's, in my opinion, I think they're going to lose all year. So <laughs> that's just how I feel about Nebraska. But, like, there's not there's not any, like, death sentences yet on this resume. So that's kind of, like, my opinion on it was three losses, three more. They can afford three more losses, I guess, is, is or would put them out of consideration, three more losses would. I think two more is okay. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I agree with that. You're I don't just know. like screw it. I just don't. You're like I just want to play. Saint yeah, I don't know. I just what is so is Saint John's the third high, highest RPI in the conference? Yeah, they're top seventy five right now. I think they're. I think they're. I think they're going to be seven three going into the Creighton match. Is what they're going to be. Okay. So yeah. So, so it'll, be mean, a, it'll be a top seventy five match, which will be a good. You know, it'll a be good. good to have yeah. For sure, but not like. It won't, it won't make out. your resume, but it'll like it'll it'll be like oh that's a that's a decent win. You that's know? nice, yeah, yeah. I think I agree with that. Um, obviously interested to see the Marquette matches, um, and then playing them already, you know, here soon, and then later on in the season, and hopefully in that Big East um tournament. But yeah, I think I mean you obviously can't really lose to anybody but Marquette at this point, so. Mm-hmm. That's that's the option. If you're gonna lose, that's who you lose to. Um, exactly. Otherwise, you've got to be clean with the rest of the schedule. Yeah, that's just the way it kind of shakes out, unfortunately. But it's honestly, it's the thing that Creighton. Honestly, it's what's made Creighton's run of you know nine straight regular season titles, eight out of nine uh, Big East tournament titles. Like it's what made that so impressive because they've kind of had to deal with this same scenario every year, you know, and they've handled it. So that's kind of like, that's the special part about what Creighton's done is that, you know, the players have changed over the years. Uh, the teams, that, the opponents that they've been worried about have changed over the years, but the targets always remained on their back and they've kind of always been able to, you know, rise above that challenge and, and take it on. So it's not any different, but since you mentioned Marquette, they're pretty soon on the schedule, uh, maybe sooner than Creighton wants, I guess, um, because you'd like to get, I think you'd like to get Norris back and healthy and at least some match reps before Marquette. I don't think if you like if the Marquette match rolls around and she still hasn't returned yet, I don't think you want her like return match being in Milwaukee. You know, that's just like a lot, <laughs> but um, it's, it's coming up. Like they get St. John's and Seton hall this weekend at home. And both those teams whipped Providence and UConn in the first weekend. So they're coming in confident. Um, and Seton Hall even took a, I think they took a set from Penn State earlier this year too. So they're not like, you know, they're not a marquee team by any means. There are RPIs in the 180s, I think, but I think they're a more confident team this year than they were last year. So uh, it'll be two challenging matches for the Jays. And then Marquette is the following Friday on the road. So 
and Marquette just absolutely embarrassed North Villanova and Georgetown. Like what <laughs> everything we said about like what is Marquette right now? Uh Villanova and Georgetown did not um did not challenge them in ways we were curious about. They just got absolutely embarrassed. So uh Marquette's playing well right now. Um, and so are St. John's and Seton Hall. So I guess what's the challenge for Creighton with that slate, you know, like you know Marquette's right around the corner, you know you're not healthy, you know you're coming off a loss, you know you didn't play well this weekend, but you know no one else in the Big East cares. Like you gotta you gotta bounce back, right? Yeah, you've got to bounce back. And I mean, we've talked about this for several years as well of when you lose, I feel like your team comes ready to play. Typically in that next match, I think you're locked in because you still have that taste of like loss in your mouth and you're ready to go, obviously. Um, and this will be their first like homestand of conference play too. So I think there's a lot of excitement just for Creighton players too, to be home and that obviously haven't been home for a while now on their own home court. So I think they'll come ready to play, hopefully locked into scout and St. John's can throw, you know, a bunch of different things at you. I feel like, and they usually have big personalities you have to deal with and they can be fiery and those sorts of things. And I mean, like you said, you have a target on your back. So every team is going to come in and try to play their best and knock you off. So they'll just yeah. have to be prepared for that and mentally ready to kind of handle that pressure of it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the St. John's thing is like they're what we know about St. John's usually is they're usually pretty physical. They're usually one of the more physical Big East teams, honestly. They usually have multiple options offensively, usually have a good block. And the way you got to beat them is just by playing better volleyball, you know, with the passing, serving, ball handling kind of aspects of the game because usually physically it's not as much of a mismatch as it is, you know, with the rest of the league. So if Creighton doesn't do the things that they did not do well last weekend, they could lose again. You know what I mean? That's the, that's, I guess that's the thing you have to tell yourself, right? As a team is like, you know, we're not guaranteed to bounce back wins just because we're in our own gym, you know, and like these teams are coming in to bury us further down the standings, not, not allow us to build some confidence, right? Like not to feel bad for us. So that's the challenge for Creighton, but I agree with you. Like Creighton historically has bounced back from bad performances pretty quickly, you know? So like, that week of, you know, stewing on a loss has usually served them well. So I'll be interested. Obviously, that's the first thing to see is like how Creighton comes out from an energy standpoint is like, is there residual from the Xavier match? Like, do they feel less confident in what they can do, especially when they're not 100%? Or do they just forget all that and wipe the slate and use kind of Xavier as you know, a motivation, like this is the things we didn't do well against Xavier. This is why we lost. We cannot do that stuff again. Yeah. I'll be interested to see. And I mean, you kind of hinted at it, but like fundamentally, I think you need to be the better team and Creighton has the players that have those skills to be the better passing and serving team, mm -hmm. you know, to execute better with your setting, to be clean offensively, to be low air, so I think those sorts of things, I mean, you missed during that Xavier game of playing consistently clean volleyball and doing the fundamentals really well. So I'll be interested to see, you know, how they come out and serve and pass. And if they're really locked into those like little skills that just breathe into everything else that you do, I think that's going to be yeah. really important. Yeah. And also, you know, just from a resume standpoint, the St. John's match in particular actually has an opportunity to 
be something that the committee takes into consideration as a as a you know puts it in the good win column because right now they're top seventy five, and if you looked at the way they dominated last weekend, it doesn't look like a team that's going to lose a whole lot of matches in Big East play. Like they could be a top four team that makes the Big East tournament. You know, or I guess they, did they go to six now? They did go to six. Yeah, they, they went to six. Yeah. Yeah. So they could be a Big East tournament team. They could be an upper third of the league team. So it's a big match in a couple aspects like one you got to bounce back from a loss you got to play better and the other part of it is too like st john's actually has something that you can gain from you know because they're a good team they're going to challenge you and you can build confidence off of beating them you don't just have to kind of like we like you were talking about being passive like you don't just have to survive and say well we didn't lose that match you know like this is something that actually creighton can gain from by beating st john's by playing well in 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 the same regard like play well get a win I think it'll all feed into what Creighton's trying to build as they try to peak towards late November, December, you know? For sure. And I think they, they kind of need that confidence built a little bit, obviously. I mean, I think they're a confident team. Obviously, people know what they're capable of. But to lose the way you did, I think, you know, just flipping that to, like, the next week of, like, all right, how can we be better? How can we be confident? I watched the film of myself. You know, why did I tip here? Why did I do this? Like, I need to stay aggressive and you know, hopefully it's just that mindset of people just being aware of like, this is what happened and this is how I can be better. And hopefully we can see that growth just week to week of people being smart, but being really aggressive. I think that's the part of it that you have to stay aggressive and these teams are good enough to beat you, right? They have people that can dig balls if you're just going to throw in an easy ball over. So that's Mm -hmm. the part of it of go out and earn it, be aggressive and get a win and feel really good about it. I think that's the point of like, they need to feel really good about it because yeah. Butler, they got the sweep, but they're like, eh, we didn't play that well. Right. Yeah. Xavier, you can kind of like, sense they didn't love the way. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right, like right. it's just that feeling of even if you win and you just don't feel good about the way it happened, it, it can be kind of that sour note of, okay, we need to get better. Like how can we get better? Yeah. Like I think I think the most I well I think the most important part of it is like you want to get better and win. I don't know yeah. which one of those falls into the more important part of it, but you don't want to go into the Marquette match feeling the way you feel going into St. John's because then you're I think you're just gonna get rolled right because if you're not confident going to Milwaukee and you're doubting yourself and that that passive play is kind of still festering there, like Marquette's not Marquette's gonna roll right over you, you know, like they're. They have, they're just trying to build everything from now on, right? You know, they have to rack up wins. Um, they have to get their season kind of like back on the right track. They're still below 500 right now. Um, so, like, th- this weekend is pretty important from the standpoint of like what it means for what's coming up next Friday, isn't it? For sure. And I mean, like you said, that next week, that's the Friday, like, marquee matchup with Marquette. So, I mean, they have to get prepared and play better. And obviously you, you hope you get more assist back, right? But at the rate that it's been going, it's just uncertain. And you have to play better with the people that are going to be available to play. So mm-hmm. it's just building that confidence and being creative, thinking a little bit more maybe outside of the box. Because, I mean, when you had Nora, that was just a reliable source of offense all the time, right? Yeah, she'd find Passing a way to put it down. Yeah. So. How can we think about, like, she's not in there anymore. What rotations are we struggling? Can we do anything different to side out faster, to stop runs from these other teams that they've been able to go on? You know, can we throw something at it maybe a little bit earlier instead of just, you know, trying to set the same people all the time? What can we do to be creative with the people we have available at the time? You know, you're going to play this match. 
Yeah. So the last thing I kind of want to end on here, because I've just like, if I just try to recap the conversation we've had tonight in my mind, I think a lot of it's been mindset over technique. And um, obviously one bleeds into the other, right? Like you're going to be more sharper with your technique if you're in a great headspace, first of all. But why do you think mindset is so important, especially in this sport, that it that it does bleed into and have a ripple effect on kind of like how you play as opposed to just like, you know, because you can be aggressive and not be sharp. But yeah. why do you think why do you think being aggressive and having the right mindset as you approach a match and going into it with the with more of like something to take as opposed to something to lose um, has a positive effect on how you play? And feel free I, to lean on your experiences too, like you. Yeah, that's a hard question. Um, that's kind of what I do. So, <laughs> like, that's a really good deep question. I feel like um, I think it makes you pay attention to the details. At least mm. for me, like, if I'm blocking, okay, am I taking one step to the right to be available for when this ball gets set over the middle and it goes to the outside? If I'm a passer, am I really getting my feet under this ball and am I putting this ball on the net? You know, it's just being aggressive, like with your body too. I think passing is a really good example of, sure, you can put your platform out and pass a ball, but am I beating the ball to the angle? Do I have a strong angle? Am I passing it all the way to the net, getting us in system? Or am I just... I'll pass it, you know, like maybe the middle of the court, like that's good enough. I think mm -hmm. when you come in and you're aggressive and you want to go out and earn things, I think it just makes you sharper in all of your skills. I mean, I think blocking too is a really good example of this of, am I going to go up? Am I going to take space or am I going to go and get the ball and put it back on their side? You know, do I have that mm -hmm. mentality of, no, I'm a wall up here and you're not getting a ball past me or am I just there to take space? You know, it's that mm -hmm. passiveness that can happen with every skill you can be passive and you can be doing the work, but am I doing it to the level that I'm capable of doing things? And am I being aggressive with my movements and really paying attention to like what I'm trying to do for my teammates around me? And that was a home run you just hit right there. See, I just tee it up and <laughs> swing away. I'm a good, I think I would be a good center for Megan maybe. Um, <laughs> so anyway, if you loved that kind of insight right there, you get to hear more of it. Um, on a good flow sports broadcast for once uh, this weekend. So if you're not able to get to DJ Sokol Arena, Megan Epperson will be on the call for the St. John's match. So make sure you're tuning in because uh, I guarantee you'll learn something from it. Um, and I, for one, will be in the arena because I'm sick of flow sports right now. But I'll be watching. I'll watch the replay for Megan, though. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy there's home matches this weekend because I watched way too much flow sports the last week and a half and just burned out because it's brutal. Um so, yeah, Creighton St. John's is Friday at 6 p.m. at DJ Silco Arena, and then they'll have a day off in between, and then they'll play Seton Hall at 1 p.m. at DJ Silco Arena. Um, so that'll be the first two home matches of the conference slate. And like Megan alluded to earlier, it's a short homestand because uh, they'll be on the road at Marquette and at DePaul the following weekend. So uh, get out to the arena, check out the Jays, uh, say hi to Megan, ask for an autograph and a picture, and... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, thanks for tuning into the podcast. So uh talk to you all next week for Megan. I'm Matt. Have a good one, everybody.